Dispensing cannabis business knowledge beyond a million square feet of cultivation space, CannabisRadio.com proudly presents Blunt Business, harvested by Strainwise Consulting. Together, we will navigate the challenges and opportunities of one of the most profitable industries on earth. Join us each episode to hear our weekly roundtables and interviews with industry professionals. Now, let's delve into some blunt business with your host. Welcome to the program. So glad to have all of you joining us here for another episode of Blunt Business here on CannabisRadio.com. My next guest runs one of the most prominent and well-known cannabis companies in Oklahoma, which boasts a sprawling 30-acre cultivation facility, 3,000-square-foot production center, wholesale distribution company, multiple house brands, and an ever-expanding roster of medical dispensaries. Quite a bit being done throughout uh, Oklahoma and all that is in all that encompasses the state of Oklahoma. My guest is the CEO of Nirvana Group, Arshad Lassi. Arshad, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me on the show. Thank you for a wonderful introduction. Uh, my pleasure. So let's go and talk about Oklahoma itself. I want to go and get some information that was pr- presented by Oklahoma Watch. And okay. it gives a whole encompassing of the Oklahoma market, which is what we want to go ahead and focus on here on the program that I just thought was very interesting with what you're doing. And then, of course, talk about uh, Nirvana Group uh, and tail that off. But first of all, Oklahoma. If for those of you investors, those of you that are might be in other neighboring states that are looking about what the market looks like there, because Oklahoma, uh, there have been delays in implementing Oklahoma's seed-to-sale tracking system for medical marijuana, which has sowed confusion for businesses in the fast-growing cannabis industry as law enforcement authorities step up their enforcement efforts for illicit marijuana products. Now, we talked about this years ago on Cannabis Radio when Oklahoma voters approved medical marijuana in 2018 under state question 788. Most states with legal, medical, or recreational cannabis markets have some type of tracking system to verify that products are grown, processed, transported, and sold under the law. The state seed to sale system was part of House Bill 2612, or the so-called Unity Bill in 2019. Now, there is broad agreement among cannabis businesses that seed to sale is needed to ensure legal products and enable quicker consumer recalls if there are health or safety problems with a particular product. But how the state chose its vendor and how much businesses should bear the cost of regulations has put many in the industry. Now, What's interesting about this, the seed, the seed to sale system was part of this bill, and it requires a seed to sale system, but doesn't require businesses to use metric, which M E T R C. It's, it's a very a standard one, a system that's been used in many other states right now. It, and I, I was really surprised that uh, Oklahoma was one of the few states that did not have this particular tracking system. It's a Florida based vendor that won the bid for the system back in September, and more than a dozen other states with legal cannabis markets are to use metric. But uh, really quickly, Arshad, what is it with Oklahoma that is a holdup on this particular obstacle here of finding a standard system for compliance, standard system for seed to sale tracking? Well, I think there's a couple of different places uh, that it's important to note. First, uh, when the law was written, um, the state you know, said we have to have a seed to sale tracking system from the very beginning. Um, didn't have to be a state approved or mandated one. There was no mention of metric. Uh, I think what the state kind of meant there was to have a point of sale system that can track inventory sales, who you're selling to, who you're buying from, et cetera, and not maybe a point of sale system that's just like a cash register, just making transactions. Um, so most people, they use a cannabis friendly POS in the dispensary or a cannabis friendly 
tracking system or POS in you know, wholesale operations of cultivation or extraction. Um, but there wasn't a standard that all the systems would integrate into. Uh, metric did win the bid in September and there was talks of that all of our individual, you know, flow hub or distro or uh, leaf logics or whatever have you would integrate with metric and um, it would be a seamless transition. But there's been a couple of hiccups, um, you know, one with the implementation, there hasn't been the best uh, guidance, in my opinion, um, from the legislation and from OMA, the Oklahoma Medical Marijuana Authority on exactly what they're expecting of us and how they wanted us to integrate. A lot of business owners were confused and had differing opinions and understandings and interpretations of the law. And the state didn't really clarify that. And on top of that, uh, an Oklahoma attorney uh, filed a lawsuit against the state saying that the state's requirement to make the businesses pay for those RFID tags to track the product and barcode it from seat to sale should be the state's burden for collecting the tax revenue and not the burden of the business owners. Um, so that kind of has put a, a, a pause on this. And um, now I think it's still in court and they're still figuring things out um, and changing it as we speak. One of the other things, it's very important. And actually, uh, this was something I wanted to add into my prep for this uh, interview is because of the fact that there has not been a set system in place. Something that actually really does track how much production is being done, how much of, of, of the plant, the products being done, how it's being put together, the whole system, you know, uh, business-wide. There's been a report now that from TulsaWorld.com. We're talking about how foreign investors and crime are among concerns now in rural Oklahoma. So there's farms that are out, you know, in, in the outskirts of major cities. I mean, I imagine there's a lot of this kind of going on that um, mm -hmm. they're talking about how law enforcement officials and some lawmakers that some products being illegally shipped out of state for old fashioned street sales, things yes. like that are going on. That that's a new thing that has come up that, um, you know, when there's no actual tracking, uh, have you heard about what's been going on here with this? If there's been something because of the fact that this implementation has been not put into place, of a standard seed to sales tracking system that a lot of illicit market might be going under the radar. Well, there's, and that's also like kind of a two, two piece to that. The first thing is that there's so many licenses in the state. There's over I think six or 7,000 active business licenses in the state at any given time. And that's a rotating number because licenses expire and new ones are applied for. And the, and the barrier to entry is very, very low. It's uh, the state fee for a license is 2,500 bucks. There's no state cap on them. Um, as long as you qualify in your county or your city, the state is able to give you a license. Um, so that, you know, the, the enforcement kind of gets difficult when you've got so many business owners spread out across the state, rural counties and metropolitan cities. So having an enforcement team that can visit every one of those facilities and make sure things are being done in a compliant manner is, uh, is virtually impossible. Um, so that's the first thing. The second thing is a lot of these illicit farms, some of them are not even licensed. They're just masking themselves in those counties as licensed businesses. And because the county doesn't communicate with the state and the different departments or government, you know, authorities don't communicate with each other, uh, they fall through the cracks. Plus the uh, fact that there's a lot of agricultural in all these areas, how are they going to, they can be masked completely under the guise of, well, they're just some other farm. Nobody would yeah. understand or know unless there was a real investigation or any real prodding to find out if cannabis is being harvested in any of these spots. 100%. No. And what Go ahead. now um, is, uh, is human trafficking has become an issue. 
Uh, we've yeah. seen a lot of foreign investment uh, purchasing up large tracts of land. So the first outcome of that was uh, agricultural land went up in in cost and value by a lot. So real Oklahoma farmers who are farming, you know, corn or alfalfa or just regular crops, uh, they can't afford land anymore. The price of land is going up. And along with that, these uh, foreign nationals have brought in uh, a lot of uh, labor uh, illegally in the form of human trafficking, which has also resulted in some sex trafficking issues in the state of Oklahoma. So the attorney general's office is pretty adamant on, on cleaning this up and now enforcing that. In fact, uh, where our farm is located, just uh, maybe a 10 minute drive from us in the same county, there was two illegal farms that did not have licenses and had, uh, I, I, to my understanding, uh, people on that on that land that you know weren't being paid or were treated as slaves uh, working the farm. I'll, let me get some more information to give more context because this I wanted to go ahead and put a big spotlight on because you know it's amazing what implementation of medical or adult use marijuana or cannabis uh, programs come into play. The legalization that gets implemented and how it goes from state to state and how sometimes just so much either bureaucratic or criminal or just all this red tape that comes across where we get these issues and this is something that needs to be as an industry we have to be very watchful and, and very uh vigilant of so lawmakers also had passed several bills in this year's legislative session in oklahoma to curtail illegal black market activity in the medical marijuana industry oklahoma Bureau of narcotics broke up illegal grow operations one was in muskegee muskogee county uh god yeah, Muskogee, I always think of that one song from uh, Merle Haggard, that's one. Okie from Muskogee. They had the 24,000 plants they had. And then last month, another authorities were able to see 4,700 plants in Logan County. And the Oklahoma Bureau for Narcotics spokesperson, Mark Woodward, said that, quote, we're working a lot of investigations statewide on growers illegally shipping out of state and a few stores selling product brought in from out of state. And black market growers are thriving in Oklahoma. Regarding seed to sale, tracking would be helpful as of our investigations, but it hasn't hampered our ability to build solid cases on those we've already shut down. And among those are changes to laws that the, allow the State Bureau of Narcotic uh, and the Medical Marijuana Authority to have hire more agents and inspectors. This is a big mess. And I don't understand where, you know, it's, I just feel like it's been a very neglectful process that's been done here. I don't want to put the, those words in your mouth, but I'm just saying, um, from your own standpoint, when you look at all this activity that's going on, meanwhile, you're doing everything by the books. What are your thoughts about that? I mean, do you feel like there's being enough done? Well, it's definitely frustrating to see um, illicit businesses be successful, especially when you're working so hard to make something uh, legitimate. Um, and I think there's also a big disconnect between the legislative bodies and the actual people who are operating the dispensaries that want and know how to do things the right way. Um, and I think if that disconnect is met, we could have some, you know, some laws or some regulations written that wouldn't make our lives difficult or, or, or be arbitrary, uh, you know, regulations that, that govern our business, but they would definitely add a lot of value and help push this market forward um, in the direction it needs to go to. It's a really fascinating what's going on over there. Now, we've only talked, we've only scratched the surface when it comes to the uses of trying to get metric put into place, uh, hopefully as a standard for seed to sale tracking. And we've talked about the criminal element and the issues of the illicit market. But now, coming up after a short break, I want to go ahead and talk to you about some of the legal aspects. 
that's been come up that has held things up. It's like it's just a never ending trend here. But this is something I'm glad we get to put the spotlight on Oklahoma because it's a very important state for business here. I mean, if you look at the proximity to, to say, a Colorado, you could imagine that, you know, in the same kind of breath, what a profitable market it would be. Obviously, that's why you're, you know, doing so well right now in Oklahoma. But it's these hindrances that are coming in that are holding, holding basically a lot more profit and a lot more process being done correctly for the state of Oklahoma. We're going to go and come back with more with Arshad Lassi, the CEO of Nirvana Group. And while we're at it, go ahead and please take a look at the website, nirvana-dispensary.com, nirvana-dispensary.com. Take a look at the website as we go to a break. We'll be right back. Rolling into some sponsors, but we'll be right back with more Blunt Business. Elevate your every day with that Shuggies feeling, with the sweet taste of Shuggies. Add a cup of Shuggies to your morning coffee. Ah, how sweet it is. Shuggies infuses cannabis and cane sugar to make it the perfect sweetener with benefits. Make your happy hour happier with a dunk of Shuggies in your drink. Order your Shuggies now at S-H-O-O-G-I-E-S dot com or find it in dispensaries throughout California. Whenever you crave a little sweet, pick up Shuggies, the sweet, sweet take-anywhere treat. I hope you didn't forget about us because we're back with Blunt Business on CannabisRadio.com. I am here with Arshad Lassi, CEO of Nirvana Group here on Blunt Business. The Oklahoma Medical Marijuana Authority's efforts Arshad, at putting the seed to sale system in place at the end of April was delayed by a lawsuit from a group of businesses who said the state was forcing them to buy the tags. You were talking about RFID, RFID tags before the break needed to track the cannabis products. And defendants want the state to pick up the costs of the metric system and the, and the radio frequency identification tags to track cannabis products. Now, for context, the online metric system costs licensees $40 a month, plant tax costs $0.45, cents, and product tax costing $0.25. Cents. Average compliance costs could be about $705 per year, according to estimates in the state contract. I don't know if that's a big uh, number to go on, and in, unless the cost of the plant or product tax are really just add up when you look at it. But my question is, what about this precedent that would be set by having the government offset these tracking costs? So that's, it's a really interesting conversation. Um, so obviously the state collects a 7% excise tax on cannabis sales right. uh, across the board uh, at, at the retail level only. And uh, that tax money is used for different things. Um, I don't think they are disclosing exactly where that money is going, but it's been said to be used for uh, you know, government things and also obviously regulating the industry. Um, now, the cost of RFID tags seems nominal. 700 bucks does not seem like a lot of money for a business, um, especially when you look at other markets where cannabis businesses are, are known to be very profitable and have great cash flow and, and there's a lot of hype built around how successful they are. Um, but those markets have something that's different and it's, you know, it, they don't have 8,000 licenses. They don't have more uh, dispensaries than Starbucks in the state. Uh, they don't have more dispensaries than McDonald's in the state. Uh, we have our dispensary, one of our dispensaries in, the, in, a, in a half block radius, we have five other dispensaries that we compete with. Um, so it's a very competitive market. And a lot of the business owners here um, are not backed by uh, large investment firms or investors or 
are not, you know, really well capitalized when they got into this. Uh, some of them had plumbing businesses or construction businesses or other small businesses, or some of them worked uh, corporate jobs or worked, you know, um, for FedEx or UPS or whatever the case is, and they transitioned out of that and saved up some money to open a cannabis business. Um, so a, a cost like that can add up, especially in the beginning when you, you know, you have to inventory your items and, and tag those, whatever you have in stock in your, in your store. And um, I mean, that can add up. We have thousands of units of inventory, hundreds of thousands of units of inventory, and each one of those would require a 25 cents tag. And the margins are already pretty small in the state because it's so hyper competitive that it, it can add up. Um, we have 100,000 plants in the ground this year outdoor for harvest in October. Um, just tagging those alone would cost $50,000 in tags plus the labor to go out there and individually tag each and every plant and then monitor that and, and, and document and log it. So there is a, a burden that's associated with it, but I'm not sure if asking the state to pay for it is, is the right decision. Um, I don't think that's the standard in other states. I think the business owners pay for it themselves. Um, so it's kind of a, it's a tricky question. And personally, I'm on the fence about it too. And I would also imagine, you know, it's funny how you have that where you're talking, and it's obviously major cities where you have so much competition between dispensaries there. Um, the thing I would be, um, would be curious about is if you're a consumer, um, is it pretty difficult to create a, a decent proximity between those that are in rural markets and how far they have to drive to get themselves, get their hands on, on legal cannabis. You'd be surprised even in smaller towns with a population of maybe 10, 20,000 or 5,000, there's still a dozen, half a dozen, you know, three, five, six dispensaries. Uh, we have a town called Okmogi in it's uh, I think it's in Muskogee County actually. Yeah. And we have a dispensary there called Eden Cannabis Co. And that town has uh, almost 18 dispensary licenses, if I'm not mistaken. That's amazing. And eight or 10 of them are active. And it's a very small town. Um, so it's, it's, it's pretty astonishing to see how widespread uh, the market has really been. I mean, there are dispensaries in every little town across the state. Um, yeah, there's so not a whole lot of a real population dispensary, uh, density and how it's very well spread out because there are a lot of small towns that are you got to pretty much chuck it to get to an airport or get to a you know just a regular retail urban sprawl kind of feel i'd imagine absolutely now let's talk more about metric when it comes to uh the costs of the metric system and you know to get to this lawsuit is really fascinating now uh lawmakers are being told you know they should direct to the Oklahoma Tax Commission to provide tax credits or deductions to allow medical marijuana businesses to write off their compliance costs. Because marijuana is a controlled substance, federal level, many deductions or credits available to other industries aren't available to cannabis businesses under federal tax law. Limited banking options also force many businesses into cash on the operations. We all know this. But the financial issues in the state that you deal with here why is it so important, do you think, that some companies want this lawsuit to offset these costs? Well, I think it starts with kind of where, where the market sits and the margin for everyone is. Uh, it's a lot lower than it is in other states, so every every nickel and dime we can save adds up. Um, I always have heard this story about how United Airlines took out one olive from their salad and saved over $100,000 a year. So, you know, we know the value of a penny here. Um but 
Sorry, I lost my train of thought. Oh no, take, take um, a second, take a second. What was your question again? Oh, what I was asking was uh, about the offsetting of costs. That uh, right. why is it so important? Yeah. Um, so uh, as we all know, 280E, you know, kind of does not allow on the federal level for businesses to take uh, certain cannabis deductions. We can only allocate cost of goods sold uh, essentially to our taxable deduction. Um, however, some states that have state tax like Oklahoma um, choose to exempt our businesses from that 280E uh, status and allow us to take all the deductions we'd like to on the state tax level because that state has allowed, uh, you know, cannabis sales in that, in that, in that region or state. Um, and I think that's what the push is for is it's, hey, if we're going to be spending money on this and it is going to be technically a cost of goods sold because we're having to add this into the cost of our products, you know, give us some tax credits, give us some incentives from the state level to kind of offset that and um, and and still allow us to be profitable. Yep. Let's go to another break. And I want to go now talk about Nirvana Group and I want to talk about a new beverage line that's being pushed out called Liquid Leaf. I want to go and fill listeners in on that and uh, some other things that are going on within as looking at the website also like the idea that you're actually giving away two all new harley davidson motorcycles look nice harley 883s and we'll talk all about that in just a moment again website is nirvana-dispensary.com back with more with ceo of nirvana group arshad lassi here on blunt business after a quick break rolling into some sponsors but we'll be right back with more blunt business Hey, take a look at this. They're selling smart pots. <laughs> they have pot that can make you smart? Where is it? Not that kind of pot. Smart pots are the best aeration container to grow your plants. Check this out. This is the original fabric container for faster producing, healthier plants. They're made with a superior fabric that delivers high yields. Plus, smart pots are reusable and sustainable, so you can use them over and over again, no matter if you use them indoor or outdoor. That's very smart, but how good are they for the environment? Smart pots are BPA-free and lead-free, so you'll always be able to ensure a pure, clean grow, and they're 100% made in the U.S. Over 28 million smart pots have already been sold, so it seems like a smart investment. Look for smart pots in close to 2,000 garden centers throughout North America and ask for the original fabric container. Find a store near you or order yours online at smartpots.com. I hope you didn't forget about us because we're back with Blunt Business on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back. I'm here with final questions with Arshad Lassi, CEO of Nirvana Group here on Blunt Business. So Nirvana Group is launching a new beverage line called Liquid Leaf. And you're offering cannabis-infused beverages designed to maximize flavor and bioavailability. Unlike many THC-infused beverages, Liquid Leaf ingredients are seamlessly blended and do not separate, which results in a weed-like flavor. But instead, a, per, a delightfully crisp taste is provided that would make you would crave in any top-quality juice drink. Three flavors you're making available right away are Fruit Punch, Golden Apple, and Grape, all in 100 milligrams THC. So talk to me about this new beverage line here and uh, what came it, how, how it came about. So, uh, you know, cannabis beverages are some of the fastest growing markets, uh, the market segment in the cannabis industry, especially on an edible side. And it's kind of a, there's a pretty big buzz around being able to make a seltzer or a juice or a soda, or maybe even a non-alcoholic THC infused beer. Um, and that's all something that we were very excited about and uh, we've been working towards and we're currently still working towards. And we've done a soft launch with our, our test brand, Liquid Leaf. Uh, we did launch those three SKUs and now we're actually, we're happy with it and we're gonna go back and kind of uh, 
modify our recipe and, um, and adjust it a little bit. And we're going to be launching in higher milligrams and, um, and in, a, in a few different brand labels to, to target different segments of the brand. And we've also got um, a non-alcoholic THC beer in the works as well that we're going to be brewing, hopefully to have that market by the, the fourth quarter of this year. Fascinating. You know, it's uh, it's really the fact of we haven't gotten much talk about. And I mean, there's only so many beverages I see out there that are definitely going out and in the competition of where your products like like a uh, liquid leaf, you know, you hopefully someday will see where, you know, your products will be on the same shelves in hand with alcohol and where there's a perfect marriage of both where you have all that coming together. Uh, so when you look at what you're doing with these products, uh, how's it responded? I mean, in, uh, obviously with the pandemic, it's been tough to get people to get a chance to go and sample the products. But uh, is there any chance we're going to get a chance to have people where they can come and sample it themselves? And is it something that you look at down the line where you hope to get the these kind of products up on other shelves besides just the dispensary someday? So I think long-term, definitely, you know, cannabis is going to become more normalized. And we've already seen big box retailers um, pick up CBD or hemp products and, and successfully market and, and, and promote those items and make good money off of them. And I think as maybe federal legalization happens or state legalization matures, um, we could see and anticipate something like that. And um, I'd be very excited to see one of our brands, you know, be next to a Miller or a Budweiser on the shelf or next to a craft beer even. And... Um, and have consumers be able to pick between alcohol and THC. But I think we're a, we're a long way away from that, but it is definitely something that we can anticipate in the future. The other thing too is with liquid leaf, I also like to look at the bottles. It's a great look at packaging, but it also has a kind of thing, well, my, my family's Spanish, specifically Cuban American. And it's interesting how the bottles, they have that real dark, uh, that dark caramelized bottle, kind of like what a malted beverage would be in, in Cuba called Hatway. Very similar looking bottle with the bottle cap. Um, real quickly, now the inspiration for creating that size bottle and how you put that together and decided to go and say, let's go with this kind of route. It's a very vintage looking kind of a uh, look. So those are actually champagne bottles. They're mini champagne bottles. Oh. And the reason they're that amber color is because Oklahoma has a law that's uh, this at, at the point of sale, all items have to be in opaque packaging. So you shouldn't be able to see what's inside the box. Oh my goodness, wow. Uh, that's the reason we made it opaque. I think other states, that's not the case and you can have, uh, you know, see-through packaging and see the actual color of the beverage, but that's the reason it's like that. And, and, and it's also funny is that's actually just a sample bottle. We'll be switching out to um, Boston Rounds, which look more like kombucha bottles. Uh-huh, yeah. Um, uh, so that's, but again, Liquid Leaf is kind of just a test brand. We're gonna be coming out with a couple of different labels, um, which we're gonna actually take to the full launch statewide um and uh we're, we're really excited about it we're really looking forward to this launch great and the one, one thing was i also got to saw that beverage net dot com actually put a spotlight on this so it was really nice to see all about that uh, so what else can you tell us it's uh, down the line obviously i talked about the website a few times here talking about how you're offering you're doing a giveaway of harley davidson motorcycles and what else is there that you could tell us about nirvana cannabis industry dispensary excuse me and what you're doing and, and uh, really, you know, kind of help us wrap things up as to what people can look forward to once they go to the website. Sure. So um, 
you know, so we, we got started in the industry about two, two and a half years ago, and uh, we've been blessed to see a lot of growth and uh, expansion in that, in that time period. And we're looking forward to definitely doing more. Uh, we've got some exciting things coming down this year on the production side of things, uh, where we'll be able to, to reduce our cost of operations and increase our product SKUs and how quickly we're able to get things to market. Uh, we're also expanding our grow operations and our retail operations. So we'll have um, more outreach throughout the state and expand into some cities that we're not into as heavily like Oklahoma City. Um, and we're also kind of rebranding and trying to make a flagship store model uh, that we can replicate in, uh, in this state and hopefully in other states as well. So those are kind of the things that we're looking forward to, uh, to tying up at the end of this year and kind of going into 2022 with uh, a wide array of, uh, of things that we can you know, promote. Excellent. Nirvana-industry.com is the website. Uh, Arshad, you know, I really appreciate you go ahead and make your time to join us and telling us what's been going on in Oklahoma. And I wish uh, you and your team, you know, continued success. Thanks so much for being on with us. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a real pleasure. Hey, pleasure's been also mine. So, folks, keep an eye on Oklahoma. Keep an eye on the Nirvana group and what they're doing. And, you know, Arshad, please let us know if anything changes along the line and, uh, let's go ahead and always keep the door open to go ahead and continue talking. Definitely. Looking forward to catching up with you soon. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you, listeners, for listening to another Blunt Business. You know where to find the show. Look for it anywhere you find podcasts. Download it. Subscribe. Make sure to lock in. We always have a new episode every week. And most importantly, you know, share the word. Please rate and review on Apple Podcasts. And until then, I'll talk to you next time. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast, republication, or retransmission of this program without proper consent is prohibited. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working... The HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.